Welcome to the Scotts Hill Podcast, Tuesday Theology Edition. At Scotts Hill, one of our core values is studying God's Word. So on Tuesday nights, our pastors teach a class focused on topics within systematic theology. They do this to equip our people with the right knowledge of God. This podcast is a recording of that teaching session. Enjoy! It was 7 o'clock on the dot, so let's get things rolling and... Uh... We'll get the evening underway. Let's, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Fathers, we come before you tonight. We thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you for the opportunities that we have had today to just experience your goodness and your grace. Tonight, as we come and we continue our study, would you guide us in our time of discussion and just uh, looking through the chapter? Father, would you help us have a better understanding of how we uh, communicate with you through this discipline called prayer? And uh, Father, we will give you glory uh, in our time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, it's good to see everyone, and we welcome you back to our Tuesday theology class as uh, we continue our study. We are still in the doctrine of God, and, and Grudem kind of answered the question when we look at this doctrine of prayer of how it relates to the doctrine of God, and it does so because uh, prayer flows from our understanding of who God is, His character, and how He relates to the world around us, which we have been looking at uh, over the course of the last few weeks. And so uh, that's where we are tonight, looking at prayer. How many of you enjoyed this chapter because it wasn't as heavy and deep for you? All right, fantastic. Uh, that's good. Well, listen, he defined prayer as this. He said that prayer is personal communication from us to God. It's personal communication from us to God. John Bunyan said this. He said, prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the heart or the soul to God through Christ in the strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit for things, uh, for such things as God has promised or according to his word for the good of the church with a submission and faith to the will of God. And so prayer is our communication with God. So I want us to walk through uh, the reading. I provided you an outline tonight uh, from the chapter. Uh, you'll see that uh, we're going to look at the review questions flow right out of the reading. So we'll walk through some of those. Uh, and then I've got some supplemental teaching that comes from uh, a class we used to teach on spiritual disciplines, and it was one that we brought in from Saddleback, but it's uh, on the habit of prayer, and uh, we'll look at some supplemental teaching there as we wrap up our night. But he started the, he started the session and the chapter out by asking this question, why does God want us to pray? And that was your first review question. So what are the reasons that God wants us to pray? You have them there in front of you on the outline. All right. Do what? All right. To rely on Him, to show our dependence upon Him. Uh, when we pray, it does express our trust uh, and our confidence in who God is uh, and, and what He has done on our behalf. And so uh, we cry out to Him. It expresses our dependence upon Him. Uh, what is the second reason? <clears throat> Okay, it deepens our fellowship with Him. God desires that we uh, enter into a relationship with Him, so much so that He provided a means for that through His Son, Jesus Christ. We know that uh, because of sin, our fellowship and relationship with God was severed, but because of Christ, we come back and that relationship is reconciled, it is restored, and God desires that our fellowship and our relationship with Him grow. Now, 
as with any relationship that we have, just the relationship with your spouse or, or, or your significant other that are uh, friends with, someone you may date even, that relationship is fostered and is deepened and it grows on the basis and the foundation of communication, right? It's how we, we spend our time communicating and talking with one another. Well, God reveals himself to us in so many ways. He speaks to us through his word by the power of his Holy Spirit. And then we communicate back with him through this discipline of prayer. So it deepens our walk with him, our fellowship with him. What was one of the third reasons that we pray? And he asked us to pray. Okay, it involves us in eternity, all right? It, uh, or as we would say it here at Scott's Hill, it allows us to join God in his work of? Thank you, Junior. All right, and it allows us to join God in his work of transforming lives, and that's what we're about. As we pray, God reveals to us things he is doing, things that he would have us get involved with. Who remembers Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God? Anybody ever go through that? An outstanding study, and Henry Blackaby was always pointing to the fact of in our prayer and in our relationship with God to be looking for where God was working and then to do what? to join him in that work. And so as we pray, God reveals uh, the things that he would have us be doing and serving him and how we can join him in that work and be impacting eternity for those around us. What is the fourth reason that we pray? Glorifies God, all right? It glorifies God. When we pray, uh, as we humbly come into the presence of our God and our King, one of the things that it does is it demonstrates that God is God and we are not. And in our dependence upon him, as we come into his presence, we, we, we glorify him in the sense that we acknowledge the fact and we're convinced of the fact uh, that God is love, that he is all powerful, uh, that he, God is good, that he is compassionate, that he is all these things. And as we rely on him and as we depend on him and trust in him in that way, it brings him glory because he is our creator. We are the created, and as we acknowledge him, it's just like a child going to a parent and coming to them for their needs. As, as we do that in the presence of God, it glorifies him in being our creator. Now, Grudem moved on from that, and he moved into the aspect of the effectiveness of prayer, and he said, this is really how prayer works, and he pointed to several things when it came to the nuts and bolts of prayer or how it works, and he said, the first thing is that we need to understand is that prayer often changes the way God acts, all right? Prayer often changes the way God acts. Do you have any examples from Scripture where you can note that prayer changed the way that God act, acted? You read my mind, all right? Exactly. Uh, just after Moses uh, and God had delivered the, the children of Israel from, from the hand of Pharaoh, and they go out, the people began to grumble against the Lord. They began to grumble against Moses, and God wants to do what? He wants to annihilate them and wipe them out, right? But Moses prayed on behalf of the people, and God relented in that and did not bring that judgment, but showed them compassion and showed them mercy. Uh, as we look at that, the scripture passages that they brought up in relation to our prayers changing the way that God acts, one was James 4.2. James 4.2 that says, You desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain, so you fight, fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask okay uh it's it's this this idea that god desires 
to, to move on our behalf and to, at many times, even bless us in ways. Uh, but so often, we go through this life in our own power and our own strength, thinking that all things are in our control, right? And we really don't need the assistance of our God, so we don't cry out to Him and call out to Him. And oftentimes, we miss the blessings of God because we don't reach out and call to Him, right? So that's what he's saying. So if we pray to God, God will move on our behalf. Uh, the second passage, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, a very familiar passage, right? If my people who are called by, by name humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And then it said, 1 John 1, 9 was the other passage. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do what? to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we see that effectiveness in prayer is one, us coming before God and asking, us seeking the face of God, us calling out to Him for the forgiveness of our sins. So we see that as we pray, there are provisions that come into our life, there are healing that comes into our life, there's forgiveness. All of these things come about because of our faithfulness in praying to our God. The second thing that he said is that effective prayers made possible by our mediator, Jesus Christ. And here was the quest question. In what ways does Jesus make our prayers effective? In what ways does Jesus make our prayers effective? Okay, and why don't we have access to a righteous God? Okay, because of our sin, we have no access to a righteous God. But how do we have access to a righteous God? Okay, he, he is our high priest. He, he, he lives forever and makes intercession, but by the death and, and, and burial of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, we know that the, 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 the curtain of the temple was torn in two, right? Uh, and where no one had access to the Father before, now because of the act of Jesus Christ on our behalf, we now have access to the Father, uh, not because we are worthy, but because who is worthy? He is, as our great high priest. And so now he intercedes on our behalf forever and ever. So you're exactly right. We don't have access to the Father in who we are. But we do have access to the Father because Jesus is our mediator. And he takes our request before the throne of God. First uh, Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so our prayers are made effective not because of anything within us, but because of the, of the perfect righteousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and Him mediating on our behalf. Okay? Said another aspect of effective prayer is to pray in Jesus' name. All right? We got um, John 14, 13 and 14 says, Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then in John 16, 23, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be complete. All right? So it says to pray in Jesus' name and we will receive it. So what do these verses mean? I mean, does it mean that if we just add the, add the words in Jesus' name at the end of a prayer that it's a guaranteed that it's going to happen? No. So what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? It's not a magical formula, but what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? 
okay? Praying in his authority, all right? Uh, making a prayer uh, before our Lord uh, under his authorization. So Jesus Christ being the authority. Uh, the larger Westminster Catechism says, what is it to pray in the name of Christ? And it says to pray in the name of Christ is in obedience to his command and in confidence on his promises to ask mercy for his sake, not by bare mentioning of his name, but by drawing our encouragement to pray and our boldness, strength, and hope of acceptance in prayer from Christ and his mediation. So it means coming in his authority, coming in his strength in that. Why are we to pray in Jesus' name? Okay, he commanded us to, all right? He commanded us to, and Carolyn, you hit on it a minute ago as well. So the Westminster uh, Catechism says this as well. The sinfulness of man and his distance from God, by reason thereof being so great as that we can have no access into his presence without a mediator, and there be none in heaven on earth or earth appointed to or fit for that glorious work but Christ Jesus alone. We are to pray in no other name but the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, as he is commanded, all right? It then moved on and it looked at this aspect that we pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? But it asked the question, is it okay to pray to Jesus? Is it okay to pray to the Holy Spirit? What are your thoughts on those? Okay, we got a yes, all right? H how might we pray to Jesus, all right, we, that's okay. We, we can pray to the Holy Spirit asking Him for wisdom. He is our comforter. He is our counselor, right? So we can ask the Spirit to bring us comfort in situation. We can ask the Spirit to bring us wisdom in situation in certain things. We might pray to Jesus in this way as we are giving praise and thanksgiving to our God. We can praise God for who He is in so many ways, and we'll look at that in just a little while, but we can praise Jesus as well and proclaiming the character of who Jesus Christ is. He is our Savior and our King. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is our rock and our salvation, right? Uh, he is the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. So we can pray and give Him praise. And He said it was okay to pray to any person of the Godhead because they are all God. They are all God. And so He said it's okay. We may not find instances of those prayers, but it is all right to pray in that way. Now, there were some important considerations for the effectiveness of prayer. Uh, the first was that we pray what? According to God's will. What does it mean to pray according to God's will? Okay. All right. And the, the, the answer came that the illustration example that was given was Jesus Christ. When that cup came to him, he was saying, not my will, but your will be done. So it's, a, it's praying in accordance with the purpose and the plan uh, for our lives that are in accordance with God's will for us, of what his desire is for us. So it's not my will, but yours, O Lord. Uh, the passages that he gives for praying in God's, uh, in God's will, according to God's will, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. We also had John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will wish and it will be done for you okay uh, so how do we know 
And this came out, it wasn't clearly outlined in your book, but how do we know that we're praying in accordance with the will of God? Okay, all right. One of the first things he said, and was the greatest, and showed the importance of our knowledge of Scripture, right? It says, uh, if it's a matter that is covered in a passage of Scripture, and where God gives us a definite command or a direct declaration, it's easy, right? It's not always the case, though, is it? All right? So if it's in accordance with the Scripture, then it becomes an easy thing to know God's will. All right. I know it's God's will for me in certain areas of my life of how I'm to live and how to conduct myself, right? Because he has a definite command for me. But there's other areas where we may be praying for God's wisdom and we want to pray in accordance to God's will, maybe by the direction in our life where there's not a definitive scripture that gives us guidance, right? And so in those instances, it says where matters, where uh, in matters where this is not the case, we pray for deeper understanding. Uh, we pray that God would move in such a way that it would be the best thing for us. Uh, we lay out the reasons that we are making this request before our God, uh, and then we're giving those to the Lord, and then we're presenting the situation and asking, not my will, but your will be done. Okay? So he's saying that we do these things and pray in accordance with his will. He also said that we pray in faith. What did it mean to pray in faith? Okay? that when we ask that we have expectation that we will receive it, all right? We have this belief that it has already been received, all right? Um, it's the kind of faith that will bring results, a settled assurance in our heart uh, in a time that we have prayed that, that we rise up and we feel like God has granted the request, all right? Have any of you ever prayed in such a way and prayed in faith and you've stood up from the prayer knowing that God has answered the prayer, but it hasn't happened yet? I can tell you, I can tell you in my life, in, in just our coming here, Teresa and I had, uh, I graduated school, I had taken a position in Alabama, I was serving uh, in youth ministry, uh, I had been serving and we had seen the youth ministry go from about 12 to about 85 in about nine months time, and um, I preached, when I went to, to that church, um, I had to preach because the pastor had had a heart attack, and so I began to preach. And in preaching one Sunday, I preached a message, and it's classic Southern church. You know, you go to the back door and shake everybody's hand when they leave, and they all tell you, oh, what a great job you've done, right? And as I stood there that day, I just, in my, in my mind, I thought, they just don't get it. They didn't understand the word that I'd shared, and they just don't get it. And I began praying after that day in my prayer time as I would get up in the morning, I would walk about a mile and a half, and I would end my, my walk in this lady's prayer garden that lived right down the street from me. And I began to pray, God, if this is not the place that you can use me to my fullest capacity, and this is not the place where change is going to, to happen, then move me. And I didn't think anything about it, but I prayed it several times. About two weeks later, my phone rang, and it was Phil Ortigo. And I knew Phil. He had been my pastor when I was in school in, in Graceville, Florida. And he said, hey, you want to come to Wilmington, North Carolina, and serve with me? Uh, I need, I'm need. i looking for a guy to be youth pastor. How are things going? Where you are? I said, six, six young people came to Christ last night. I just bought a house. Things are going great. He got off the phone. He said, they'll never come. And that's what he told Chris. And... Um, 
we began to pray and pray and I would do prayer and I remember coming and he said well come meet with us so I, I felt good enough to go and meet with the committee and Teresa and I met a committee in Columbia South Carolina and we met and we discussed us coming to Scotts Hill Baptist Church and we got back home and I began to pray and about two days after prayer I told Teresa to start packing the boxes that we were leaving and we were coming to Wilmington North Carolina I had not been to the church I had not seen the church I had not met the people I had not prayed in view of a call but God had settled in my heart that this is where we were coming that was still a struggle I remember praying and, and after they called and said hey we want you to come in view of a call I remember still praying and struggling because we had built such great relationships in the place that we were and I remember praying, and one day I was loading the car, and I had Teresa and Donna, our oldest, and we were going to Tuscaloosa, which was about an hour and a half away from where we were living, so family was close by. Uh, and I got them in the car, and about 20 minutes into the ride, they fell asleep, and I began to pray, and I began to cry. And I cried for an hour and a half because I was confused. You know, I was had great relationships. Why would God be leading me away from a work that I was seeing success in and seeing results and I began to pray and we got to Tuscaloosa and we got out of the car and had dinner with our families and I was going to leave her and Donna for a week to spend some time with family and uh, I dropped them off and said goodbye and I drove back from here to the road out there to get back on the interstate and I pulled back on the ramp and tears started flowing down my face again and I was praying to God, God, I, I know you're not a God of confusion. I just need clarity in what you're wanting us to do. And if ever God reached down and touched me on the shoulder, he said these words to me. He said, can you not accept answer prayer? I never looked back from that day, and I knew where we were coming. And here 25 years later, we are here to the glory of God. And so we praise him. But uh, at times we just, we pray in that way and we pray by faith knowing that God is going to move in our behalf. Obedience was the third aspect of, of consideration to, to effective prayers. What does obedience have to do with our prayers? What role does obedience play in our prayers? Okay, if we're not obedient, it strains the relationship. Great, great words. It's, uh, you know, our, our relationship with God, it is a relationship with a person. So when we sin, when we are disobedient, it displeases him. It hinders our prayers. Psalm 66, 18 uh, is there, teaches us this. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have what? Listened would not have listened. And so obedience uh, is key to uh, God hearing our prayers, all right? Uh, and if we are walking in disobedience and have unconfessed sin or unforgiveness in our hearts and our lives, it hinders our prayers because those things are sin. Uh, Charles Stanley always said that blessings flow through our obedience. Uh, and I think that to be true. Uh, as we walk in accordance to God's word, his blessings follow us and we experience his blessings in our life. The fourth thing and the aspect of effective prayers is that we confess our sins. Um, obedience is key to the blessings and the answered prayers and our effectiveness in prayer, but we're not always obedient, are we? <laughs> uh, and because we struggle and we're not perfect in this aspect of obedience, we are continually depending upon God for the forgiveness of our sin. And so we have to come to God in confession. 
That's what 1 John 1, 9 is all about. If we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so when we confess our sin, we confess all known sins to God, right? So it's often the easiest to just say, God, forgive me of my sin, right? But it's harder to point that light to the areas of our, of our heart and our, our life where we are struggling and we're having the battles and we have to call that sin out. And we have to name those sins. So we confess our sin. Any sins that we may be unaware of, we, we, we cry out for God's mercy in those things and confess those things that we may be unaware. Sometimes it may mean confessing, and that's what the, the author said, confessing to a trusted friend. And I say a trusted friend, but there are times where we need to lay out and confess our sins one to another so that one, we can, we can feel the presence and love of Jesus Christ from a person. Sometimes we need Jesus with skin on. To, to embrace us and, and, to, and to not only forgive us, and hold, but also to hold us accountable as we walk down the road in the days ahead. So confession also comes to those around us. Uh, another consideration that we have to consider in effective prayers is our forgiveness of others. If we harbor unforgiveness in our own hearts and, and, and lives, that's sin. So that is disobedience to God as well because he tells us to forgive. And so unforgiveness in our heart, that is sin, that's disobedience, that will hinder our prayers. And then another aspect of, of effective prayers is that we humbly come before the Lord. What does it look like to approach God in humility? How would you say we approach God in humility? Okay. Uh, 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 he said that God delights in a broken and contrite heart, all right? Uh, and so to approach God in humility. What is the, ex you know, we think about the example Jesus gives. He gives us the example of the Pharisee who's praying and he's doing what? He's drawing attention to himself, right? He's praying so that all could hear. He's praying about his goodness and his righteousness and all the things that he is good, uh, good for and, and his worthiness. But the one who is commended is the one who comes with a broken and contrite spirit before the Lord in confession and humility, knowing that he is not worthy uh, of that, but he comes in a humility before God. So we do those things. Uh, his, his passages of Scripture were James uh, chapter 4, James chapter 4, and verse 6. And it says, uh, says these words, but he gives more grace uh, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord in verse 10, and he will do what? He will exalt you, right? Uh, in, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 5, what does he tell us? Uh, he says these words, Likewise, you are the younger, be subject to elders, clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, and so we're to humbly approach God as we go to Him in prayer. Now, He went on and He talked about unanswered prayer, all right? We covered some of those when we talked about effectiveness in prayer. We know that prayers won't be effective and they will go unanswered many times because of um, unconfessed sin, because of unforgiveness, or because of pride in our own heart and our life. He says, because some things are not in His timing, so there's the what? wait right it could be a wait all right uh because we don't pray what according to who what his will all right so we're not praying according to his will we're not asking in faith maybe he has a better plan for us and we can't see it 
all right? So sometimes the very thing we pray for, it would be more detrimental to us in our life if God gave it to us than if He didn't give us because He's got a better plan around the corner if we are just patient and waiting on Him, all right? So those are the things that He brings out. So God's time is not the same as ours. His delays do not mean that prayers are not answered, all right? So prayers are answered. Uh, oftentimes we don't know how to pray, and sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is no, but oftentimes that is defined as God didn't answer. Sometimes that's the way it is defined uh, for some people. Now, they may have the wrong perspective, but if you ask some people about prayer, they'll say, I prayed and God didn't answer. And, uh, and that could be their perspective, but they'll answer in that way. Have any of you ever had somebody say, I've prayed to God before and he didn't answer my prayer? Okay. Uh, we've heard those things, and that's the perspective that a lot of people have. Yes. All right. He then went into praise and thanksgiving. Uh, praise and thanksgiving, essential elements of prayer. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, Colossians 4, 2, talking about being constant in prayer, uh, bringing everything before God with thanksgiving uh, in our hearts. And so we'll look at those. We're going to look at those a little bit more as we move into this next section. Uh, Romans 12 Verse 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Uh, so in the remainder of our time, we're going to talk about how to revitalize our prayer life, how to revitalize our prayer life. Uh, we know that Jesus Christ has died to make the relationship that we have with the Father possible, uh, but so many people struggle with prayer. They think that it's boring, it's something to avoid, and oftentimes it's something that we just need to breathe fresh life into, all right? Uh, it's the very thing that Jesus' own disciples couldn't do, right? They go with him to the garden, and they do what? They fall asleep. Any of you ever fell asleep in prayer? All right? He could say the same of us, couldn't he? He could. So, so it's something that we struggle with. All right, uh, but the first step uh, to revitalizing our prayer life is that we approach we approach prayer with the proper and the right attitudes. The right attitudes. We know in Matthew chapter six that Jesus talks about prayer; that he gives us a model for prayer. Uh, and in that passage, in verses five through eight, he says these words: "When you pray." Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by men. So as we think about prayer, one of the first things we need to know is that we need to approach prayer. We need to be real. We need to be authentic uh, in our prayer life. We need to be transparent uh, before our God. Uh, when we come before God in prayer, we don't need to try. Uh, if we're praying in a public setting, we don't need to try to impress others like the Pharisee did. Uh, so we don't need to try to impress others, but we don't need to try to impress God either. Uh, God knows our needs. Uh, God knows all things about us, and so we don't need to try to impress God uh, uh, in those things. He already knows our hearts. He already knows our thoughts. Uh, we won't be fooling God uh, if we try to put on airs. We just need to be honest and open and real because prayer is our what? Our communication from us to God, all right? So it's speaking. How many of you in sitting down with someone that you have a great relationship, you've had to be real and authentic and open and honest with them, right? And that's the same thing that God desires from you is that you be real and open and honest. Uh, second thing that he desires from you is that you would be relaxed. 
that you not be tense, all right? It says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to the Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So you need to be in a place where you can be free of distraction, that you can concentrate and make your focus on God where you can be alone. Uh, I would suggest that in times of prayer uh, that there are certain things that we don't need, right? Greatest distraction is right here in our pocket. And sometimes uh, it's the very thing that wakes it. How many of you use it as an alarm clock? All right. So it wakes you up. And the first thing you do is you cut it off and then you pick it up, right? And then it follows you throughout the day. But the best thing to do is to leave phone, iPad, computer away from your prayer place so it can be a place free of distraction uh, that you can focus your attention on God. So you just need to relax. Uh, two main excuses for people not praying is that they don't have time or they don't have a place to go. Uh, but I guarantee you, if we logged our time every day, <laughs> the amount of time wasted would blow us away. Uh, I would hate to even log my time because of me trying to check things on my phone, right? It has been a great thing for information, but it has become a great distractor uh, in our lives. And sometimes we just need to unplug so that we can get away and our focus can be on our God and on our King. Uh, for As far as uh, not having a place or not having the time or not being free of distraction, a great example is Susanna Wesley. She's the mother of John Wesley and Charles Wesley. All the way back in the 1700s, Susanna Wesley had 19 children. 19, all right? Uh, but she devoted an hour in prayer every day, all right? And you say, well, man... I had two children, and I couldn't find any time, right? So how did she do it? Because I know in the 1700s, she probably didn't live in a mansion and, and, and live in the places we do where we can carve out and find a little place, right? But Susanna Wesley would sit in her living room or in her common room, and she would lift her apron up over her head, and she would sit there for an hour in prayer. And her 19 children knew that when her apron was over her head, not to disturb mom because mom was in prayer, all right? If we went into our living room and threw an apron over our head, our, th our kids would think that we had gone off the rails, right? But not Susanna Wesley. They knew that when she did that, she was spending time with God. And listen, if a mom of 19 can carve out an hour to spend with God in prayer, it really is difficult for us to think that, man, we might struggle with 15 minutes a day in it, uh, and that we might struggle to get alone and to be quiet and to be still in the presence of our God and to take time uh, to pray. And if she can do it, uh, we have no excuse. Uh, we should be able to find a quiet place uh, to be able to have prayer and to pray every day. So as we do that, we go in just with a relaxed spirit, but we do so being free of distraction so that we can focus our attention on our God and on our King. Uh, we also need to be revealing. We need to be revealing. Um, don't recite the same prayer over and over as the heathens do who think your prayers are answered by repeating them again and again. Remember, your Father knows exactly what you need before you ask. We need to just have a conversation with our God. He's able to handle the difficulties of our life. He's able to handle the questions that we have. He is able to handle the pains that we have, the insecurities that we have, the anxiety that we have. He's able to handle all of those things. 
all of those things. I, I was just reminded. I was just reminded this morning as as I was reading. I was reading this morning because I have my Bible and I have days at on the Psalms on what Psalms I'll read on certain days. And on the ninth day is Psalm forty two. And if any of you have any people in your family who struggle with mental illness, with depression or anxiety or, or things such as that, what a great psalm for them to lean into because I, I honestly believe that as David is penning this psalm, he is, in a, he is in a deep place of depression in his own life. And he writes these words, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Sounds like he's depressed, right? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. In our struggles, we go to God, and we get before him, and we lay things out because God is big enough to handle anything in our heart. David is revealing the pain and the struggle that he is in, but where does he go with it? He remembers the goodness of his God. And he gives him praise in the midst of his pain. And he looks to God for the answer. So we're revealing in those things. We just approach him with the right attitude. And, and, and we go to him just as we would a dear friend. And we lay out those things. But Jesus um, also told us this. We approach with the right attitude, but we also can follow the model. Now, we don't pray the model. He didn't say, and when you pray, pray this. All right? He says, and when you pray, pray in this way, all right? So we follow the model of the Lord's Prayer. One of the greatest studies that I've used on, on studying the Lord's Prayer, and it's not in print anymore, and I wish it was because I loaned my book to somebody to, to teach this one time, and I never got that back, and that's been about 15 years ago. So if you're out there and you have my book called The Prayer of Jesus by Ken Hemphill. Please return it. So, <laughs> uh, But it's a great book by Ken Hemphill. It's not in print anymore, but you can get an e-version of it at lifeway.com. So it is available for you that's out there. But he uses this and teaches how to pray through the Lord's prayers well. So as we think about this, it's how we should pray. And there's six parts of the prayer that we can look at and, and that come through. And the first is praise. As I go to the Lord in prayer, I begin my prayer time in praise to my God. I begin by expressing my love to God. Sometimes we look at it as the acts thing, right? We start with adoration, right? And so we start with praise to our God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? So when we come into prayer, we begin by expressing our love and our adoration. We focus our attention and our thoughts on God and not myself. Uh, we relay the fact that God is God and we are not. And so I come into prayer with my focus and my attention being completely on him. And I praise him in a couple of ways. Uh, I praise him, first of all, uh, with, with adoration. Uh, and, then I, and that is praising God for who he is and his character. All right. So I praise him that God is, is loving, he is compassionate, he is slow to anger, he is abounding in love. So I, 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 I adore him for all of these things, for who he is. And then the second type of praise is, is that of thanksgiving. 
And I thank God for what he's done, the deeds that he has done on my behalf. So as we think about approaching God in praise and we think about our morning prayer time, or our evening prayer time, whatever it may be, this first component very much so is an aspect of worship. Because I heard Vody Balcom say one time that worship is nothing more than praising God for who he is and what he has done in our life. And that's exactly how we begin our time in prayer. We go to God and we praise him for who he is. We thank him for the works that he's done in our life. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. So how do we praise him? Uh, there's several things there on your outline. They're, they're printed out for you. Uh, make a list of God's character. Um, as you read the Bible and you come across, and I just mentioned some that, you know, God is, is slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He is compassionate. He's all these. As you come across things in your reading, write those down. And as you pray, give him praise and adoration for the things that the word of God has revealed to you. Right. And so, you know, you might think if you look at Numbers 14, some things that come out about God's character uh, when you're looking at that, that he is forgiving. All right. Uh, so as you go through the scripture, you kind of lay those things out. But his character is the basis for answer prayer in our making requests. Our, our God answers the prayers that acknowledge who he is. If we acknowledge that he is a loving heavenly father, and we are dependent upon him, God hears those prayers and responds on our behalf. Second thing is to remind ourselves and affirm the promises that God has made and that are contained in maybe even the meaning of his names. How many of you pray the meaning of God's names? Okay. It's a great thing to do as you go to the Lord in prayer. Fathers, I come before you this morning. I praise you because you are Jehovah Jireh. You are my great provider. All right. God, I praise you in this morning because you are Jehovah Shalom. God, you are my peace, right? And so I pray the names of God, and, and I look and I study those. I pray, and, and you know, uh, God is my righteousness. Uh, I can pray that God is my rock. He is my refuge. He is my strength. And so as I come into his presence, I give him praise for all of the promises that he gives and all the things that come out. Um, the names of God are a great place to start. And listen, if you, if you think, okay, I, I, that may take me a while to work through the Word to find them all, do a Google search. Names of God, you've got a list automatically tomorrow morning to start praising and giving God adoration, all right? So I give you permission to be undistracted, <laughs> to be distracted for a moment and do a Google search, right? Uh, third thing is make, make a list of the things you're thankful for. We have so many things to be thankful for, especially in this country that we live in. We're sitting in a nice building and a comfort of this building to be able to learn and to listen and to, to know things about God. You'll go home tonight and you'll be in a warm house where you'll be sleeping in a nice bed and not out in the elements of the cold. You drove here in a nice automobile. You've got so many things to be thankful for. And so you list those things. God, I thank you in this day. I thank you, first of all, God, that you gave me breath in this day and that now I can live this day for you and for your glory. God, I thank you for my job and that I have the ability to go and work today because I know so many are going without. 
So you thank God for the ways that He has blessed you in your life. All right. The second part of prayer, and I'm going to have to move real fast, so I have to maybe give you blanks, uh, is, is the purpose. I commit myself to God's purpose and His will for my life. That's praying in accordance with His will. And we've kind of walked through that. But in, when we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oftentimes in my prayer time, the way that I pray this is, is this. And God, I pray that your will would be accomplished in me today. You see? God, I, I want your will to be done in me. I want my life to bring honor and glory to you. And so I pray it in that way, that God's will would be done. And God, I commit myself to you in this day and to you and to your glory. And so we commit to His way and the things that He does. Uh, Romans 12, 2 tells us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to His service, pleasing to Him. This is a true act of worship as we should offer. So we do those things. So we come into His presence. I praise Him for who He is, for what He's done. I commit myself to Him, saying, God, have Your will and Your way in me. Have Your will and Your way in my family. Have Your will and Your way in my church. Have Your will and Your way in this world. But I commit myself to You in this day. Three is we ask God to provide for my needs. It's that aspect of provision. You know, Give us this day our what? Daily bread. So we're asking for God's provision in our lives. So what are, the, what are the things that we need to pray for? All of them. Anything that's there, right? So we pray about everything in our life, and we can ask God's provision. If we know that there's a definite need, then we pray in that way, all right? Adam, you've been, you've been praying for months and months for God to provide a job for you. All right, He didn't give up in his prayer, but he waited and he trusted and he rested in God, and God has provided for that in your life, right? But I guarantee you that it wasn't a one-time prayer for Adam. I guarantee it was a daily prayer because it was a need in his life. And so we pray for the things that we need in our life. Philippians 4.19 says, God will supply all of my needs from his riches and glory because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. Romans 8, 32, since God did not spare even his own son for us, but gave him up for us, won't he also surely give us everything else? Pray to the things that we need, the personal daily needs. Listen, the things that we need in our life are easy for God. If we'll just ask him, you know what? The toughest thing that he ever did was putting the sin of all humanity on the shoulders of his son and putting him on a cross. And if we need provisions in our daily life, surely the God who created all things and the God who paid for our sin can take care of our personal needs. And so we pray for the provision in our life. We need to be specific in our prayer request. We may need to write our request down and not give up. How many of you have had a request and you've prayed for it for some time and then after a season, it just, you kind of lose sight of it? But if you keep it to the forefront of a prayer list, it can help you uh, to stay focused on what you need to be praying for. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, though, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Uh, some people say, why? Doesn't he know what he, we need? Sure he does. But we've also been told to pray to him. 
and to present our requests to him. And so we do so. Uh, remember that our prayer is a public declaration of our trust and our dependence upon who he is. All right. And so we pray for him in that way. When we come to God and we say, God, I need provision in this day. I need you to come through in a big way. We're showing that we're dependent upon him for every need. Our kids would come to us, right? When they had need, right? Um, I just had one last night call and say, Mom, I'm in need of a pizza. Can I order pizza? She's in college. We said yes. Uh, they, they still come with a request, but we met the need, right? Uh, and so we do those things, and our Father waits to do those as well. Fourth part of prayer is that of pardon, and I ask God to forgive my sins. And on your, on your outline there, there are four areas and four steps to this aspect of forgiveness but the prayer of course says forgive us our debts as we forgive those as we forgive our debtors but we ask the holy spirit to reveal every sin um you know with this psalm 139 is is the scripture that comes up but uh we come to him with an honest heart and we say god would you allow your holy spirit to bring conviction in areas of my life that are not in line in, in accordance with your will and with your word and when he brings those to our mind, whether we be in personal quiet time or whether we be in a, uh, listening to a message or wherever we may be, then we confess those things to God and we ask him to forgive us. So that comes to point two, that we confess each sin specifically. You know, there may be an area in my life where I've spoken to a coworker in a harsh way, and I may need to confess that to God, and I may need to name it, God, today I spoke harshly to Susie or Jack or Jill or whoever it is. Our Father, today I spoke harshly to my children and I had an attitude that wasn't proper and wasn't right, so I need you to forgive me for that sin. And so we need to name those things uh, before God and confess them and not hide them, but to own up to the shortcomings in our life. And the third part is that we may need to make restitution when necessary to others, all right? So I may need to go to Susie or Jack or Jill or to my kids and listen, that's one of the greatest things you will ever do for your children. When you blow it with your kids, the greatest thing that you can ever do for them is to go to them and say, look, when I came to you earlier today, I didn't come in the right attitude. I came out of anger and I spoke harshly. And I confess that to you, and I was wrong, and I ask your forgiveness. We teach them what the love of God looks like in relationships with other people, and we teach them how to extend forgiveness and ask for forgiveness with other people. So we do that. Make restitution when necessary. And the Scripture passage is there. When you're going, when you remember your brother has something against you, go and make peace with him, all right? Then come back and offer your gift. Uh, the fourth thing by faith accept God's forgiveness if we confess our sins he is what he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness one of the greatest things that we can know is to trust in the promise that is there because oftentimes we want to go and we may confess our sin but then we drag it around and haul it around behind us and we carry the guilt with us wherever we go but the scripture tells us that if we confess our sin, if we turn from our sin, that he's faithful and just to forgive us. And so when we confess it, we stand up and we walk away in forgiveness that Jesus Christ had provided for us. We no longer have to carry the guilt, all right, of the sin that we have confessed. Now we repent of sin. 
And oftentimes we have that, Pastor Phil talked about it this week, right? That pet sin that seems to come out every now and then and we have to confess that and repent of it. But when we confess that sin, he's faithful and just and we don't have to live with the guilt because we can trust that we have been forgiven and our sin has been cleansed from us. The fifth thing is that we pray for other people. Uh, it says, as we have forgiven our debtors, First uh, Timothy 2.1, pray as much for others, uh, plead for God's mercy upon them, give thanks for all he is going to do for them. That's a living Bible paraphrase translation. But it's important to know that God wants us to pray on behalf of others. He wants to pray on behalf of other people. He wants to pray on behalf of our leaders. He wants to pray in so many ways. And so we need to pray uh, for other people. And we need to understand that as we pray for people not to give up on our prayers. And I can tell you, I've prayed for people at times, and there's times that I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and I've lost sight of that prayer because it seems that the heart hadn't turned. And oftentimes, you know what? God doesn't give up on us, but oftentimes we give up on God and we give up on others faster than He wants us to. So be persistent in praying. Continue to pray, knowing that even if we don't see God working, He is what? At work. And I like to tell people all the time as we look at that, at the mess of, of lives, because we're all a mess, as we look at the mess of someone else's life, that God's not through writing the story. So we ought not write them off. All right? God continues to work even when we don't see it. So we faithfully pray for others, and we pray in such a way. Keep praying, keep praying. If we want to know how to pray for others, uh, the, Paul's, the, the prayers of Paul, the Paul's of prayer, the prayers of Paul are a great place uh, to go. There's a list of some scripture passages there where you can see uh, how to pray. It's more than just God bless them, all right? Uh, you know, God give them a great day, all right? Uh, we want to pray that they grow in, in wisdom, and knowledge of who he is and his love for them, that they grow in great understanding, that their love for him and the word would abound more and more every day. So we pray that God's work would be accomplished in their life. And, and that puts power to the prayers that we pray. All right. It may mean setting up a prayer list that we pray for different people at different times of the week. Because how many of you, if you started writing the needs of people around you, you know that you could fill up a page, right? And you think, wow, I don't know that I could pray for all those things in one sitting, right? Uh, so we might have to split the list. So you might have to pray for your pastors on one day, all right? You may have to pray for fellow believers and, and friends who are Christians on other days. You may have to pray for government officials on other days. And so you break your prayers up and pray in that way. There's some great prayer guides that break things down on the five days or the seven days so that you can know how to pray. You can pray for for the lost on, on days. So the people that you have that you're wanting to share Christ with, you have them listed. You may pray for them daily, but you may have a specific day that you pray specifically for uh, those who need to come to faith. And you may pray specifically that God give you the opportunities to share your faith with those. The sixth part of that is this, that is aspect of protection. I ask God for spiritual protection uh, each and every day. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Every day when we rise up, we face a battle. 
And there's a war that rages around us each and every day. And as we start our day, we need to ask for God's protection that we not go into the battlefield unprotected, uh, that we don't go into the battlefield without the armor of God, that we put on the full armor of God. And listen, pray that. <laughs> you know, God, guard my thoughts and my mind in this day with the helmet of salvation. Make me secure in who I am in Christ Jesus, right? God, I put on the breastplate of righteousness, I want to walk in integrity and truth, the, the, the belt of truth in this day. I want, to, I want to go with the gospel of peace. I want to take your word as my sword and use it to fight off the enemy in this day. Pray those things. Father, may I take up the shield of faith because I know that there's an enemy and he prowls and he is against me. So give me the shield of faith that I might stand against the enemy. Put it on, but ask God for protection each and every day. And understand this, that the spirit who is at work within us is more powerful than he who is in the world. Our God is great, and the spirit that indwells us is powerful. So as we close our time, uh, remember that prayer is our communication with God. That was how it was defined. It's the only way that we communicate with him. God speaks to us in many ways. He speaks to us through his word. As we have already seen, and some of you have even testified, he speaks to us through his creation. Uh, he reveals so much about himself as we look upon the natural world around us. He speaks to us through other people. Uh, he allows people to come into our life to speak truth. There are numbers of ways that God will communicate to us. But there's one way that we will communicate with our God, and that's through our prayer. And so we, may we be found faithful to be prayer warriors and may you be encouraged in this night to take the steps that are necessary to revitalize your prayer life listen i don't care how long you've been walking with the lord there are seasons and times in your life where your prayer life your devotional life can become dry and can feel like it needs to get out of the rut you ever been in a rut revitalize it by seeking God and asking Him. And listen, sometimes to get out of the rut <laughs> means change location. If you're in a rut and you sit at the same table every day, get up and take a walk and pray as you walk. Find a different location. Find a different place, a different way that you can focus your attention on your God and you can cry out to Him and pour out your heart to Him and watch Him start moving in ways like you've never seen before. Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you. We thank you uh, for your goodness and your grace. Father, we do adore you. For you are our God. You are our King. Father, we thank you for the life that we have in Jesus Christ. And we thank you that because of his work on Calvary's cross, that we have the ability and the capacity to come into your presence and draw near to you. Father, tonight, as we have looked at this aspect of communication and, and really walking in a re relationship with you and, and close fellowship with you, may you encourage us in our prayer life. May we know and understand uh, how we can come into your presence to give you glory, but Father, also to receive those things that you would have us uh, have in our life that we might live for you and for your glory each and every day. Father, help us 
uh, be better at our prayers. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We hope that this podcast was a blessing to you and that you grew in your knowledge of God. If you liked this podcast, I encourage you to share it with your friends and your family on social media so that others can hear the truth of God's word. Till next time, 